All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills securing their third straight victory. This one is a doozy. They defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-15 on Sunday Night Football. Their second straight win on primetime. And it's a big one because this is the first time throughout the 2019 and 2020 season where they have beaten a legitimate contender in their own conference. They've done it against teams outside of their conference. They've they've played the NFC teams really well over the last couple of seasons, but that one AFC victory has always eluded them. And them defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers is a huge, huge message to be sent across the rest of the country, the rest of the league, everything else, to where this Bills team is viewed as for real at this point. And, you know, I don't think it's really all that uh, far of a reach in, from that perspective. Welcome in, everyone, to the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. My podcast partner is Matthew Fairburn. And Matthew, this game was super boring in the first quarter, if, if we're honest. And then as soon as Taron Johnson picked off Ben Roethlisberger and housed it, uh, this game just completely took a turn. And the Bills looked completely different. It's like they flipped a switch and then they were just alive from that point forward. And it started off with the second half, but, I mean, just just an incredible showing by them to shut down a really good team in the NFL. I mean, they are they were 11 and 1 coming into this game. I don't want to I'm not going to sit here and listen to anyone disrespect what the Steelers have done this season because getting to 11 victories out of 11 games to start the year is incredible and this is a this is just a a dynamite win for this Bills team and and just another check uh, on the box there for them. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, like you mentioned, it's one of those games that I think people needed to see to think about, you know, put into context and kind of uh, picture what the Bills could be in the playoffs because they're playing a lot better than they were when they lost to the Chiefs and the Titans, you know, that was kind of a low point uh, in their season. And, you know, that was the the last real memory we had of the Bills, of this Bills team against, you know, the best competition in their own conference. So to, to beat the Steelers at this time of year shows that, you know, at this point in time, you know, is this the the strongest the Steelers have been all season? Probably not, but they're, you know, I think anybody would say, you know, one of the three biggest roadblocks between the Bills and the Super Bowl, uh, along with the Chiefs and Titans. So to beat them at this time of year shows that if they run into them again in a month, they're clearly more than capable of handling themselves just fine against this team and probably have the advantage uh, in a lot of ways, the way they made Ben Roethlisberger look in this game. And the way they're playing now, the way they played against the Steelers would give them uh, a much better chance against the Chiefs and Titans and, you know, round twos against 
those teams if they run into them at some point. Obviously, they at the way they're playing now and, and the way it looks, they won't have to see the Chiefs, uh, you know, and if they play their cards right, if they finish this season the way it looks like they might, they shouldn't have they might not have to play the Chiefs in round two either. So this could get pretty interesting now. You know, it's a different conversation that you enter when you beat a team like the Steelers. And it's a uh, the way this team is playing right now makes them a much different threat than they looked like uh, even in their you know early season run because they had those couple of bumps in the road. They're now, you know, three straight wins, uh, including one against what just a, you know, 12 days ago or whatever was the number one seed in the AFC, not anymore. Um, but you know, it's not looking like they'll, they'll finish the season as the number one seed, but, um, that's what they were, uh, you know, heading into this game and the bills knocked them off. Yeah. And it enters into a, a different sort of conversation too, because now it, it's not just a AFC East division thing. It's a, okay, do the bills have a chance? And I don't know if, if we're getting too far ahead of ourselves here, but I mean, the bills have a pretty, pretty, I, I I don't want to say an easy schedule, but they have a schedule. Their remaining schedule is one where you could easily see them running it the rest of the way and them going three and zero the rest of the way, getting to thirteen and three. So by doing that, if the Steelers lose just one more time, the Bills are the two seed in the AFC playoffs, and as long as they take care of business in their first round game they will host a second playoff game, um, which would give them an incredible opportunity to get to the AFC Championship game. Now, maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but the Steelers' final three games are against the Bengals, which will probably be a win for the Steelers, at home against the Colts, and away against the Browns. So really, all all the Bills need, well, easier said than done, is to win out and for the Steelers to lose one more and the Bills are the two seed in in the AFC at least. I mean, odds are uh, Kansas City is going to be the one seed, but but still, you're putting yourself in that conversation and, and it just it just breeds this bigger point to where I think we've we've been kind of circling around this idea that maybe this this season should be bigger than just doing the one thing or the two things that they haven't done since 1995, which is a win the division and B win a playoff game. The, the conversation has gone well past that now because you only have a collection of talent and a collection of players that are hitting their stride all at the same time so often I mean it's it's kind of catching lightning in a bottle in the NFL to where you have the just everything working all at once your passing offense is going um, your defense is starting to really rise to the occasion uh, your pass rush is looking great your secondaries is looking really good you're forcing turnovers um, you're you're able to manipulate what the offense is doing 
and then it doesn't matter how the opposing defense is playing you, odds are your quarterback is going to be able to throw the ball around against against that team. So when you have those two elements working in unison, the conversation has to be bigger. And we, I, I think we have done a, a, a solid job of keeping it in perspective and not going too overboard with it because, you know, just – being realistic with with what they could be and 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 how this thing could unfold but a win over the Steelers is a different ball game you know with the way that the Bills played what impressed me the most was the fact they didn't even have their best at the beginning of the game and then they they just completely opened it up and to me that all falls on Josh Allen as well like how many times have we sat here and, and talked about quarterbacks throughout the league where it's like, okay, they might be having a down game against a really good opponent, but then there's always those two or three drives where they just break your they just break your soul if you're a fan of the opposing team. And it, it's just they have that sort of mentality to them. And Josh Allen did that tonight with his first two drives in, in the third quarter to put them up by 16 points. Like, this is... This is very rare air for the Bills right now. And, you know, it's it's uh, rightfully so. It should have Bills fans feeling really good about this team, about where they're headed, and the fact that they should be Super Bowl contenders this year. I, I, don't, I don't think it's that far of a stretch at this point. No, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it last week after the game that that you know, has to become the bar because you just don't know how often you get back into a position with a team like the one that the Bills have. And I don't know that this win over the Steelers dramatically changes my mind and that I, I think that was probably the case before this game. It, it gets, you know, it pushes it a little bit farther, but fact of the matter is they're going to have a chance against just about everybody in the AFC. I think the Chiefs are still the favorite. You know, somebody still has to knock off the Chiefs and they look really hard to beat. Um, you know, obviously they present a tough matchup for the Bills as we saw earlier in the season, but that's really the only team that you look at and say they, they can't, not that they can't beat them, but they can't go in there and, you know, you're probably not expecting a win against the Chiefs. That that would take an upset. Uh, but other than that, you look around and think, yeah, they could they could beat all these other teams. Uh, you know, the Steelers, they just did it. Uh, the Titans, yeah, that's a tough matchup for them as well, and, and that showed up earlier in the year. But the way it's shaken out, they shouldn't see them early uh, if if they get lucky here. So then, you know, why not win a playoff game? I think the way a lot of people seem to be, you know, getting wrapped up in this, it it would probably feel like a letdown if they just won one playoff game. Uh, you know, the, the way they've played and the, the types of teams that they've beaten, the types of games that they've played, it feels like they're, they're coming together as a team at the right time. Uh, Josh Allen, even on a night where he wasn't great for two quarters, you know, pulled it together, went 10 for 10 in the third quarter with two touchdowns. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he really settled in and he looked all over the place in the first half. And there was a, a 
you know, some alarm bells probably going off for a lot of people trying to figure out, you know, this version of Josh Allen that they hoped had been buried um, was was popping up. But his ability to settle in within games, which I think we've talked about before, it's a much different, you know, version of Josh Allen than we saw last year. I think not only are his bad games a lot better and not that this was a bad game for him he obviously had a great second half but his um this is probably bad by 2020 standards uh on his you know stat sheet is more what i'm getting at his average games from a stat perspective are a lot better than they were last year and also him you know kind of losing control of himself or you know hitting a, a cold spell in the middle of a game does not spell the entire game, you know, going sideways on him the way it used to. And I think that's a, a huge deal. The way Stefan Diggs can pull him out of those ruts, like he now has a player that he can turn to and just start feeding the ball to, uh, to get back into a rhythm. And that's exactly what he did tonight. Stefan Diggs third quarter stats would have made him the leading receiver in this game. They just <laughs> came out of halftime and threw him the ball and, I think that's a, a huge deal uh, to have a player like that that you know can pull your quarterback out of a rut and pull your team out of a rut. Uh, I think that's to me the biggest difference with this team from a year ago is number fourteen. I don't think there's a a bigger difference maker, um, you know, between you know when you look at what what's so different about this team. He's not the only reason Josh Allen is so much better, but he's a big reason. And he's also a big reason that this offense can just turn on a dime and have those drives that you talk about because uh, he's really hard to cover one-on-one. And if you have to put two guys on him, then that changes the defense entirely. There was nobody on this team even remotely close to Stephon Diggs a year ago. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that's, that's, Definitely. That might even be an understatement. I mean, that's that's how good he has been in that third quarter that you're talking about um, when he helped them to two straight touchdown drives. Stefan Diggs accounted for 66 percent of the Bills yardage on those two touchdown drives. It's just he's he was just on another level in that third quarter. Uh, He just completely took control of the game uh, yards after catch. Um, at one point, he like did like a, a pinball thing off of two different Steelers defenders, um, and he he was just unbelievable in this game. And for them to have one of the best NFL receivers on their roster, and for him to eclipse 100 catches on the season, like with still with three games to play. That, that sort of stuff is unheard of in Buffalo, um, especially with the passing offenses really never being there outside of, you know, Drew Bledsoe in the early 2000s. Um, I guess you can lump Kyle Horton in there for, for the for the few games he was he was rolling hot, but, you know, they didn't really win with that team. And then before Bledsoe, it was Jim Kelly where they – they had a bunch of huge passing statistics, but the Bills really haven't had this sort of output from a quarterback-wide receiver combination in quite some time. And so Diggs, I mean, he's just he's just a different guy. Like he's he's unguardable 
it doesn't matter if he's working against man coverage, zone coverage, um, if teams are trying to bracket him, what who whichever uh, cornerback he might be up against in the NFL if if they're shadowing him. I don't think there's a cornerback in the NFL that can check Stefan Diggs right now. And that is just worth its weight in gold because his footwork is incredible to watch, um, especially when working against man-to-man coverage. And how he's able to extend plays after the catch makes him that much better. And how he's able to win contested catches and fight through contact uh, to make those catches. Like He just has... Every single thing you would want from an NFL receiver other than size. But that doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, as long as you separate, as long as you bring the ball in, as long as you get yards after catch, and as long as you are a dependable target that can help take over a game, it doesn't matter how big you are. And, And he's just been unbelievable this season. And a huge reason why, not like you said, not the only reason why Josh Allen has turned into what he has this season, but... Josh Allen has been a star in the NFL this year, and I don't know if that star would be shining as bright as it is right now if it weren't for Stefan Diggs. You're totally right. Yeah, he's to have, I think, that kind of it, the trickle down effect has just been huge with with Stefan Diggs. Cole Beasley is so much better uh so much more productive uh, because of Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, when teams really pay a lot of attention to Diggs, things really open up for Beasley. Uh, I think you see, too, in the last couple of games that this offense, I don't want to say it doesn't need John Brown, but there was a, well, actually, yeah, it doesn't need John Brown. How about that? Like, you know, for a while during the season, the working theory was John Brown. When he was out, that was what was causing the offense to fall. I didn't apart. buy that for a second. And it's not hap- It's not really the case. Um, yeah. But certainly not the last few weeks, whether they figured something out or, or whatever. Um, and don't get me wrong, they'll love to have John Brown back. Uh, you add that guy in and, right. um, you know, it's just a, an embarrassment of riches at receiver. But they don't need him. Uh, and I think that's because of Diggs, because Diggs is what makes this go. Gabriel Davis has grown up a lot this year as well. Uh, he's, you know, the guy in the red zone that that seems to get the favorable matchups, and Josh Allen's not afraid to to look his way down near the goal line. Uh, you know, like I said, Beasley certainly, uh, you know, finds a way to get get open a ton, especially when when teams are paying too much attention to digs. And if you throw Brown into the mix on this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, one of those offenses that not many teams are going to be able to uh, match up against. So I don't know. It's a, the way Diggs has, you know, given this offense life really showed up in a striking way. I thought just because of how sluggish they looked and how the solution just seemed so simple. It was just throw it to Stefan Diggs. Uh, mm-hmm. And to have a solution that simple in your back pocket is pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't get much more rudimentary than throw the ball to your star receiver. But they did. And I think a, a big key in that second half, too, was um, they were – Allen was getting the ball out quicker, I think, in that second half. The protection was certainly better. 
Um, did seem like Daryl Williams was very much at the border of being of being a false start almost every single pass blocking snap that he had uh, because he was trying to prepare for the speed around the edge from TJ Watt. I don't blame him for for trying to get an edge in that perspective uh, because he ended up doing a really nice job against TJ Watt. But um, the pass protection certainly was better. And once the Bills started getting into a flow and getting some completions put together, then it was just like the the dam was was uh, was pushed aside and the water came flowing in and and the Bills passing attack was just humming from that point forward, um, at least in the third quarter. You know, the fourth quarter was more about uh, just. Just put together, at least in the fourth quarter, put together a field goal drive, take some time off the clock while while they were doing it, and then the the seven minute drive to end the game, just to run some clock and, and do things that way. But that third quarter, without question, the best third quarter the offense has played, um, the, the best third quarter they've played in totality. And, and certainly this is one of those games where they saved it for a great spot because they've been really struggling all year long, uh, right out of halftime. And for some reason in this game, in this spot against this opponent, they showed up in a huge way. And yeah, there, there's not much I can, I can sit here and, and say, ah, the bills were bad here. The bills are bad here because in the end it, I don't think it matters all that much because this is a great team that they just beat and you know, they deserve all the credit for it. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not the picture perfect team, but to me, they've got all the ingredients that if they all come together at the same time, then nobody's sitting there around the AFC, you know, these lower seeds saying, man, we hope we run into Buffalo. You know, I mean the, the way they, throw the ball or can throw the ball when they're they're firing on all cylinders uh, is dangerous as dangerous as any team in the AFC playoff picture not named the Chiefs um I would say their passing offense stacks up with everybody else uh, is probably better uh, number two behind the Chiefs their defense over the last three weeks is playing about as well as any defense uh in the NFL during that time span, they're, um, average, you know, they haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher. They're averaging about 18.6 per game points per game allowed. They have takeaways in eight straight games, two takeaways in four out of their last five games. So, you know, they have that piece working. And then, you know, at the end of the game, they get the ball with seven minutes left and just run out every last second of it with a 13 play drive (laughs) Mm -hmm. where they ran the ball uh, a little bit, you know, 39 yards before Josh Allen's two kneel downs. So they have a little bit of a mix of everything that if it starts to come together at the right time, you know, they're, they're a fairly healthy team uh, compared to a lot of teams around the league. They're um, you know, they have, a good mix of, of youth and, and veteran players. They went through this last year uh, where, you know, things didn't end so well after they got off to a similar start. They're already off to a, a better start than they were a year ago. Um, 
you know, by just one game, but still a nice head start. Like you mentioned, the schedule sets up down the stretch for them to, you know, probably get to 12 or 13 uh, wins. And then from there, it's just getting the right matchup and playing well, uh, you know, in, in one of these playoff games. They'll they'll get to play at home more than likely after the Dolphins lost today. And, yeah, it won't be, you know, at this point, I think most people out there know who, who this Bills team is. You know, they know that there are some areas that aren't as strong as others, that maybe the right type of team might be able to, you know, crack open that run defense again or the running game might not be as consistent as people want or the up and down play opposite Tredavious White has been tricky to navigate at times but Levi Wallace really you know stepped up uh, when it mattered in this game so yeah it's like they're you know like any team no team in the NFL is perfect no team is going to be you know full of strengths with no weaknesses but their strengths very much outweigh their weaknesses at this point in the season. Yeah, totally agree. And I know we've we've discussed this before, but I think now that the division kind of looks like it's it's theirs, even though it's not technically theirs yet. I mean, being up two games um, with three games to go and having the tiebreaker on the team that's two games down. Yeah, it's that's a pretty strong spot to be in for this Bills team. So I think the more the most important thing here now for the Bills moving forward is to focus on getting that two or three seed because we we've touched on this before in previous pod podcasts, and I'm sure it was a little bit too premature maybe uh, in that point in the season. But now that it's really coming into focus here, getting that two or three seed as opposed to being the four seed. Um, not only prevents you from taking on the the best team the wild card has to offer, but it also prevents you from potentially taking on the top team in the AFC being Kansas City in the second round. So at least with that two or three game, you are guaranteed uh, to not play that uh, that first seed in the playoffs, which would be Kansas City. So... Uh, very important for them that they continue to stack wins and you know a, a loss from from Tennessee would be big to get Tennessee down to five losses but um, you know they can't really control that and so now they have Denver New England and Miami three very winnable games and that's if if they want a path to get to the AFC championship game if they want a path to get to the Super Bowl uh, it's probably going to be getting the two or the three seed um, as opposed to that four seed. So um, it, it's it's pretty, still pretty important, even though everything kind of looks like it's locking up here for the Bills in terms of making the playoffs and, and winning the division. Yeah, the weird thing now is that the the top seed in or the top remaining seed outside of Kansas City, so the two seed uh, would potentially draw Baltimore depending on how things go which I mean there's a lot that still has to be determined and Baltimore doesn't look quite as uh, scary as you know it would have a few months ago but still probably not the team you would handpick out of the ones um, you know in the the wild card spots so 
it's looking like basically a lot comes down to Monday night football, you know, Baltimore versus Cleveland uh, Monday night. If Cleveland beats Baltimore, that's a huge blow uh, to Baltimore's playoff chances. But they're, you know, with a win tied with Miami uh, for that, that seventh seed and Vegas, you know, dropped a game to go down to seven and six. So, there's a, a very real possibility that Baltimore ends up with that that seven seed or that six seed, which, you know, the Bills aren't going to be able to control where Baltimore lands, and they're not going to be able to fully necessarily control where they land. It's not as if they're going to play a game of limbo trying to uh, avoid a certain team, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a potential matchup looming unless you would you go into week 17 and like throw the game against the Dolphins so that they can sneak into that spot. Uh, But, you know, that was the weird thing this afternoon. Everybody was rooting for, you know, I saw a lot of Bills fans rooting for the Chiefs to knock off the, the Dolphins, you know, and get closer to that division title. But my thought was that the Bills would probably want the Dolphins to upset the Chiefs and, just make things a little bit more messy at the top of the uh right. at the top of the standings and and keep that in play cuz the bills are very much in in play for 13 and 3 now it's a matter of um uh, what happens around them and yeah that playoff picture down near the bottom is going to get going to get pretty interesting because assuming the ravens beat the browns which isn't a foregone conclusion but um if they can take care of that which they beat them earlier in the year they've had some some good luck against them they have the jaguars giants and Bengals to close the season so oh wow a pretty good path to get to 11 wins if they beat the browns even if they don't a pretty good path to get to 10 wins so that puts a lot of heat on miami um and some of these other teams you know down near the bottom of the afc playoff picture to to keep pace because it's a pretty Pretty easy schedule the rest of the way for Baltimore. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we get to the awards area, I do want to touch on what the defense was able to do in this game because, uh, in the Bills game, I should say, uh, because we've focused a lot on the offense and how they have really grown this year, whether it be Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, um, the running game at the end of the game getting able to get the job done, the offensive line doing what they were able to do tonight. But the defense is really what turned this whole thing around. And if they weren't on their game right away against the Steelers team, that um, they they were a little bit asleep at the wheel, just like the Bills were early on in the game. You know, they suffered from some drops. They couldn't really get the run game going. Uh, they obviously weren't passing the ball down the field all that often. That's just wasn't, that's just not their game with Ben Roethlisberger anymore. Um, their offensive line wasn't really blocking all that well in front of them. Uh, but so if it wasn't for the Bills defense though, to make sure that all of those problems continued for the Steelers, then this is probably a much different result. And for, them in that spot even when the Steelers started to have some success in the second half for uh, Taron Johnson who was getting beat by Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot 
and was beat again on that route that he actually uh, got the interception. But to take advantage of an opportunity when it presented itself, uh, which was Ben Roethlisberger basically wobbling the ball <laughs> toward toward Smith Schuster, and for Taron Johnson it, to pick off a pass that was behind the target and to actually be able to turn it upfield and and go get a touchdown. I mean, that's just a humongous spot, and a lot of the the players. The coaches, after the fact, you know, Jerry Hughes said there wasn't a bigger momentum shift, um, a single play momentum shift in their season than than the one Taron Johnson provided them because it brought it gave them the lead going into the half. It, uh, it and the Bills were also getting the ball to start the second half. Just a a huge huge spot. And he wasn't the only forced turnover. Levi Wallace forced a turnover. The Bills were damn close to forcing a fumble on a on a third and nine sack that probably should have been a fumble but it was whistled dead you know, just the defense was just outstanding in this game and I know they allowed a couple of touchdowns but you know whatever they, they allowed under 20 points to one of the better teams in the NFL so um, so they, they deserve a lot of credit for that game yeah they're starting to look like like they looked heading into the playoffs last year and you know, especially against a team that, you know, they've been a little out of sync offensively, the Steelers have, but they haven't been, you know, too turnover prone. Um, you know, it's hard to to get into the backfield and bring Ben Roethlisberger down, um, mm-hmm. and, and they put a lot of pressure on him, made him move around. I don't know, the Steelers team is starting to feel a little bit like the Patriots last year uh, toward the end of the year where it, it – it seems like they're going to have trouble holding this together. Um, their quarterback seems like he's on his last legs. Maybe they have a, a second wind in them at some point. They have had quite a long year. They didn't really get a bye week, and you know they had some screwy things happen the last few weeks to end up with twelve games or twelve three games in twelve days. Twelve games in three days would be uh, something else. Um, so they were. I don't know. They they. And a lot of it was what the Bills' defense did to them. A lot of these, you know, really good receivers that that they kept in check. And I think the defensive line has played a lot better, um, you know, in the second half of the season. I can't really pinpoint off the top of my head when it started to turn for them, but they have definitely played much better. They're not getting pushed around in run defense uh, the way that they were. Even against the Cardinals, they let up quite a bit on the ground, but when you're up against a guy like Kyler Murray, that's uh, going to inflate some statistics a little bit. Really, since the bye week, uh, the the entire team has seemed pretty locked in, and uh, I think to have the defense playing like this is uh, certainly adds a different, you know, adds a different layer to to this team as a you know to their profile as a contender because. There was some question about that early in the season when the offense was lighting it up. It was like, man, you know, if this this offense keeps this up, you know, the defense just has to come around. And I think they they finally have. It's starting to look like like the group that that everybody expected. Yeah, and they're starting to get their pieces back. You know, Matt Milano didn't play a full game at linebacker, but 
you know, it he did get sprinkled in um, and took a full defensive series at, at one point in that game. And it wasn't just in a pass-only situation. They gave him one series to see how he would do against uh, in a full-on um, first, second down, run down, a little bit of everything idea. And, and it seemed like he was still um, playing at a really uh, fast pace. By the end of the game, well after that that uh, audition, I guess we'll call it, um, went off. So that's a potential spot for optimism for the Bills defensively. Levi Wallace picking off a pass like he did. It was actually a really pretty play on, on his part. Uh, and just an awesome catch and not something we're, we've really seen from Levi uh, being able to pluck the ball out of the air like he did but that that was a a really good play uh he split time with josh norman in this game the snap count um totals i had was actually josh norman having more snaps than levi wallace in this game i had him at 33 to 26 in favor of norman Um, but still this is the bills trying to figure out what that second cornerback spot is going to be in their defense and how they want it to operate. And it seems like they're settling on what they did, what they did last season late in the year by giving two guys reps, um, giving them each a couple of series here, a couple of series there, and, uh, and just giving a bit of a different look to see who stands out, um, who might take a hold of the thing, or if it's just better off as a platoon. So the, they're doing that with Levi Wallace and Josh Norman, but Wallace made a big play. So just clutch plays, improvements. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds has been a big part of this. Ed Oliver has been a big part of this, and and certainly them getting to the spot where this is now the defense that's looking like it can slow down a contending offense. And that's that's got to be a, a pretty fearful thing for a lot of teams out there. Yeah, it's not not the defense that, that people want to run into. And, and the way they, they can match up and do different things, uh, depending on the opponent, I think is a, a nice feature of this group, the way that they've started to come together. I do think a big part of it has to do with you know, especially early in the season, figuring out what this year was going to be like and, and no fans in the stands and, and the atmosphere being different and the lack of preseason games maybe impacting tackling a little bit. But now they look, uh, you know, every bit, you know, like the, the group from a year ago. So I, I think they're they're hitting their stride at the right time. Um, it's a matter of keeping it together. The, the right time is in the beginning of December. You want to carry it through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as the Steelers have shown, things can, you know, change quickly for a team uh, in a span of a few weeks. So they just have to, you know, figure out a way to keep this together and and keep things pulling in that direction as they, they head into the first round of the playoffs. Well, at least the good news for the Steelers is maybe they haven't had a bye week, but they get the Bengals who are led by Brandon Allen and that's that's a it's a that's a pretty good uh lick your wounds and uh, you know that's a good get right game for them uh, so we'll we'll see how the Steelers respond and if they can uh if they'll still hang on to that number two seat if the Bills went out 
All right, let's get to some awards here. Uh, a lot, not a lot of um, things went poorly for the Bills in this game, even though it didn't start off the greatest. Uh, so well, I actually had a suggestion. Well, a couple people have suggested that in these good games, some of these mm-hmm. awards don't really even make sense to do. Like they're too negative for good games. I was going to say we could open them up to Steelers as well. There's that. Or we could yes. reverse them. Sure. The uh the bizarre the reverse the bizarro, Vontae Davis. The bizarro Vontae <laughs> Davis. Uh and the bizarro Dre Archer. Which okay. I'm into it. Because the bizarro Vontae Davis would, would have to be Josh Allen, right? Sure. The player who showed up in the second half? After not really showing up in the first half. Um, <laughs> he had, he, what, 76 passing yards and an interception on 10 of 23 in the first yeah. half. Goes 10 yeah. of 10 in the, the third quarter alone and and ices the win. Um, I'd say that is that is very much uh, the opposite of uh, leaving the stadium at halftime. Yeah, the bizarro Vontae Davis. I'm into it. I, I like the idea. Uh, so that would mean the bizarro Dree Archer would be for the player that had that showed up the entire game, right? Um, I think I'll go to, with Daryl Williams on that one. I mean, he had one false start penalty, but did you really see or hear much from T.J. Watt in that game? I mean, I, I'm sure he had some help along the way, but... There was a lot of times where Daryl Williams was just jump, basically jumping off the line of scrimmage and getting into his pass set, and he just did a fantastic job against against Watt, who is one of the best pass rushers in the league, and he has been the best pass rusher in the league by basically every single metric coming into uh, Week 14. Is it Week 14? Yeah, Week 14. So... Yeah, I'll I'll give I'll give that to Daryl Williams. He was he was excellent in that game and maybe a little bit unheralded. Um, but yeah, he he was he was awesome. I mean, Stefan Diggs is an obvious one here too, but we we talked about him for a solid like 15 minutes, so yeah, just got to diversify. Diggs is the other one I would have mentioned, but definitely a standout performance from Daryl Williams whose price tag continues to go up. Yes, no doubt. Um all right, how about the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance? How about Levi Wallace? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Gets the big interception and, you know, um, got beat earlier in the game. But, you know, and has had some some tough moments maybe earlier in the year. Um, you know, he's had his – he's been picked on a little bit by fans, I would say. Um, but he, – He was also picked on last week by uh, – uh, by their opponents as well. Yeah, they, he occasionally. The 49ers went after him. They'll, you know, there's been teams that have targeted him, and it hasn't always yeah. gone well for Levi Wallace. Um, yeah, for you sure. Know, and I think his season has been up and down, but when it mattered, came up with a big play, and um, that is uh, that is the essence of of the Blaine Gabbard Award: survive in advance. Yeah, um, I'll also uh, throw Dawson Knox into the bucket here. Um, he had that early game fumble that probably uh, – did they rule that an interception or a fumble? I can't even remember what 
It's ruled as a fumble with. at the moment. Okay. I don't know if they'll okay. correct it, but I yeah, it it looked like a drop, and yeah. I didn't look. It didn't look like he ever had possession, but I mean, not that it really matters. It was Dawson Knox's fault either way. Yeah, exactly. But he he kept it going throughout the game and uh, came up with that huge uh, third down play um, late. Uh, I think he got an 18-yard reception at, at one point. Let's see, what was it? Yeah, uh, on third and 11 on their game-winning drive, or not game-winning, the, ones, the one that um, ran out the clock, it was third and 11, and he had a 16-yard uh, pitch and catch sort sort of deal to keep the keep the drive going, and he was able to get them going. Set a season high in yards for the game. I'm pretty sure that had to be his season high in targets as well. Uh, I think he was given seven officially, if I'm not mistaken. Seven targets, four catches, seven. 34 yards. And one of those, one of his targets actually didn't count because it was the pass interference call that that got them down to the one yard line. So um, it was actually like eight targets in, in in total for that game. So yeah, I think I think Knox uh, had a nice little persevering game, even though he had the the unfortunate turnover early on. So that's that's another sign of perseverance. Um, okay, how about the gotta watch the film award? Who do you got? That is an interesting one because i can't really think of anybody that Mm. played so poorly that it needs to be explained away nobody immediately jumps to mind okay they didn't have i mean i'm going through the entire i mean i thought the offensive line played pretty well um you know i guess I guess first half Josh Allen would be um, sure. the only the <laughs> only guy that could be saved by either needing to watch the tape or by just saying look at the tape of the second half. Those are the uh, that's the only guy I can think of unless you want to go over to the other side of the ball or the other sideline rather and right um, point to some of these Steelers players because then I'd probably I'd probably give it to to old big Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that was, it, uh, it kicked up a notch for him. I think I might go Mitch Morse. Um, I didn't think he, he played a great game for the bills. You know, there was a few times where he let some pressure go, um, right through the middle. I mean, his first play back, it was, it was borderline. Let's see. I think it was an almost interception or a sack or something in his first, um, his first play back. Oh yes, it was the Josh Allen fumble, which Mitch Morris jumped on. Um, in the let's see, it was the second quarter. Uh, that was his first play back, and he, I think he settled in after that. But you know, just if if we're if we're really trying to find something here, I I I'd, I'd throw his name in into the discussion. But that's it. I believe he also got pushed backwards on the interception that was a uh, uh, where Allen's arm got hit. Yeah, but I mean, you got to watch the tape, right? Yeah, that's true. I can't say for sure if it was him until I watch it. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. That that all works. And I, I like the Bizarro uh, element to it because you're right. Then we we're, don't we're have so... to think of new ones. We just yeah, flip them. Exactly. The, the Bizarro Vante and the Bizarro Dree. Um, yeah. The We're so used to uh, divvying up these awards after the game because the Bills haven't really been all that great in the past since we've been starting to do this podcast and doing the awards and you know they've slowly eked their way into this spot where they're they're doing some really good stuff and they're they're a bona fide contender and so yeah i I like i like the bizarro stuff well done yeah i hadn't really thought of it uh, until a few people pointed it out and i was like yeah i guess that makes sense i never thought of the um awards as particularly negative uh, I just kind of thought of them as, you know, there, yeah, levity, <laughs> you know, a little bit of levity, a little bit of like, sure. Hey, here's uh remember Dre Archer and Vontae Davis. Those guys are pretty funny. And, you know, we usually <laughs> build it up to the good things, but, um, yeah, I guess I never really viewed them in that prism. So, uh, sure. now, now that I did, I was like, Oh, just flip them on their head. Yep. Bizarro indeed. All right. Um, so now what is next for the Bills is another short week. Uh, they will have only six days to get ready for their next opponents, albeit the next team up on the schedule is probably a bit less of a challenge than what they were preparing for with the Steelers. But then you always get the hashtag trap game stuff. Uh, talking to, uh, that that we're thinking about because the Patriots are after that and the Dolphins. So, but they have the Denver Broncos up next. It's a road game. It'll be on Saturday late afternoon into the evening. Um, another prime time game, even though I don't think it's technically prime time, but it's basically prime time. It's basically what the Bills had against the Patriots on on Saturday, the Saturday before Christmas last year. Um, that same thing. So. So yeah, it, it should be another game for the Bills to potentially win to further cement a top three seed, and they could even have the division wrapped up by by the time they um, they have Week 15 all said and done. So yeah, it's a everything still all in front of the Bills and. Th- it's kind of weird. Like we're, we're used to things going down to the wire with this team and um, you know, you know, whether or not they're going to be in the wild card, all of these different things, but nope, not this year. It's a bit of a different thing for us. Got to, it's keeping us on our toes. Yeah. They could have a playoff spot locked in by Monday night, uh, depending yeah. on how things go. So it's, uh, it's different and it's, uh, Now, I mean, it feels like a couple months ago when we were like, well, now the next thing to learn is what they do in the playoffs. And, you know, we're almost finally there. So, um, well, at least we got we got a little taste of what they could do in the playoffs in this game. Yeah, they've had some matchups that have taught us little things and provided clues along the way. But uh, the ultimate test still looms. And so uh, it's inching closer every week. Three more games to go before the Bills get their first big test in the playoffs and to do something that they haven't done in a long time. All right, Matthew Fairburn, uh, 
any sage words of wisdom before we we uh, depart at three twenty three in the morning on Monday? I've got nothing. It's uh, yeah. It's I, I was I will say not. I've I told tried to write this last week, and I we'll see how it goes <laughs> on Monday. But people, I don't know how many people are going to be left to like you know, wake up on Monday and be like, all right, let's go dig up receipts and try to drag people around on the internet. But like, it's probably not good uh, juju heading into the postseason to be like dunking on people who have like a two years ago had like a lukewarm Josh Allen take or, you know, some guy doesn't think he's any good and he still doesn't think he's any good. Like, I don't know. I feel like, uh, Perhaps that's the next step in the uh, becoming a contender is letting that stuff just shrug it off. Maybe Roll it's just off me. the shoulders. Um, I know there's some people out there that still wanna still wanna have their fun and and do their thing, but I'd say just enjoy it. The quarterback's good. The team's good. It's gonna be mm-hmm. some playoff football, home playoff football. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Get you some of that. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh... Not really anything like um, Bills fans have seen or felt for <laughs> for a long time. So we'll we'll see how it all unfolds in the next few weeks. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. And by the way, if you haven't yet, go to theathletic.com/slash/thebuffalobeat to get our buy one gift one. Uh, special that we're running right now where if you get a yearly subscription you get to gift one for free or the opposite way whichever you prefer i guess it really doesn't matter um but yes you can even uh, do two of those and and uh buy buy one for someone else and gift one for someone else whatever you choose so go to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. We will speak with you later in the week, getting ready for the Bills up against the Broncos and see if the Bills will be able to clinch an AFC East title for the first time since 1995. Talk to you then.